everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into the tactical side of Major League Soccer. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and this week I am joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, it's been a couple weeks. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I enjoyed listening to you guys last week. You and Elliot really held it down. It was so interesting to hear that different side of soccer analytics. Elliot was fantastic. Listeners, if you haven't heard that show Go back and listen to it. Elliot McKinley of American Soccer Analysis really brought a lot of great information on data analytics and data collection within Major League Soccer and just in soccer in general. He brought all of that to the table. So definitely check that episode out. But Jordan, it's great to have you back this week. I think we we deviated slightly from our normal show plan, but that's okay. We've got a lot of time to explore different topics but this week, we're kind of back doing what we do. We're, this week, we're going to get back into the tactical side of things, but with a little bit of a twist. Jordan, you and I spend a lot of time on this show talking about tactics and lineups set by coaches, but today, you and I are kind of going to be doing that for ourselves. This week's show is the Joe versus Jordan MLS Tactics Showdown. Ooh, dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. So, you and I have picked 11 players. We've each picked a starting 11 from one conference. Not all from the same team, but all from the same conference. I've got the Eastern Conference, and you've got the West. So first, we're going to walk through our lineups, explaining what the reasoning was behind each selection. Then we'll go through how exactly we would instruct our respective teams to take on each other. That's the tactical side of it, right? We want to have this be not only like a draft sort of situation, but we want to take it one step further into the tactical realm as well. But there's one more wrinkle, Jordan. We're each picking a starting 11, not filled with necessarily the best all-star players. Not that there won't be a few of those, but with our favorite players. It would have been a little too easy to just do those all-star teams. So I think the favorite player approach will be a little bit more unique. So we have to be able to justify why we like each specific player relative to other options of that position. And if we want to beat each other, our team full of favorite players is going to have to mesh better, a lot better than the MLS all-star teams inevitably do when they play during all-star weekend against a European giant. Jordan, I think we've covered it pretty well through this intro. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we actually get into our lineups and tactics? We were trying to figure out a way to make this so it was easily digestible for people listening. And when you're going over a starting 11 and talking about specific players, we were like, okay, what's going to be the best way that we can kind of compare and contrast as we're going? So we're going to group the players into like-minded groups or like almost formation as we go about. So uh, I'll I'll start with my goalkeeper. Joe will do his goalkeeper and we'll go back and forth that way in different position groups as we build up the field. That's perfect. All right, Jordan, I think you introed it well. Why don't you get us started with your goalkeeper? All right, I'm going to go from the Seattle Sounders <laughs> in net. I had to go Stefan Fry. I just... Watching him play over the last few years, I would say he has been the most consistent goalkeeper in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're looking for a goalkeeper, that's what you want is consistency. He has the trophies to back up what he has done in net, but his communication is always bold. He is comfortable and capable with the ball at his feet coming out of the back, building up play that way. So I, I think it was a one of the easier decisions for me, even though we do have the entrance of Kenneth Vermeer, a goalkeeper I know you were pretty high on when he came into the league. I just haven't seen enough of him to be able to right away go with him. So I'm going with Fry. So I think that's completely fair. I think as as many of the positive attributes that Vermeer has that I enjoy watching, we just haven't seen enough of him in Major League Soccer yet. I'm going to break that rule a little bit with a couple of the guys that I have. I think I, I cheated a little bit because we don't have a large sample size for some of these players. But I think Fry is a great pick as your favorite goalkeeper. He's, he's well-rounded. He's been consistent for Seattle. He's been that rock for the Sounders. I can't fault you at all for mm -hmm. that pick. 
Yeah. So that's that's how I'm uh, anchoring my defense. Where, where are you going from there? My favorite goalkeeper from the Eastern Conference, the, the rock in my back line, just behind my back line, is Matt Turner from the New England Revolution. For the listeners, Ooh, who, I like that. For listeners who, who heard our show last week, who heard my conversation with Elliot, that might not be a huge surprise. Elliot was kind of talking about him as this unicorn almost in goalkeeper statistics Turner's numbers have been fantastic and that's that's why he's my pick at this spot his underlying numbers have been consistently really 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 good over the last couple of seasons and I like that I want that consistent shot stopping that I can see it but I can also see it in the statistics as well so Turner I think is going to fit really well in the back you're dipping in already to those stats you now can analyze a little bit better for your conversation. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Why not take advantage of of the work that ASA does and then my conversation with Elliot? I think it was perfect. And that, that did allow me to dig in a little bit to some of the statistics for a lot of these different players. So, Elliot, shout out to you, first of all. And then shout out to Matt Turner for having some pretty flawless underlying numbers. I got to talk with him before one of their playoff games last year in uh, Atlanta and just a really a good guy, good head on his shoulders, but the intensity and drive within him, you could just sense it right away. So I like that pick. I think that's a good, good goalkeeper. At first, I thought you were talking about Elliot and I was really impressed that you knew him that well. <laughs> but now that makes a lot more sense. No, so we are sorry. talking about Matt Turner. No offense, Elliot. Matt you probably Turner. have that drive, too. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've done goalkeepers, Stefan Fry in net for you, and Matt Turner for me. Jordan, walk us through your center backs. Talk us through this position group. How many do you have, first of all? Is this a two at the back or a three at the back? Oh, my gosh. I had a real big, difficult trouble with my (laughs) center back because you and I talk about center backs a lot. I played center back. I love that position, and I didn't love it before I played it. But Mm. once I played it, I understood just how... uh, intelligent you have to be in order to play that. And so I really had three players that I was choosing between to fill those two spots. So I guess I can prep it all with my my team's going to set up in a 4-2-3-1, but I think that can sometimes look like there's three at the back in order to use the the two outside backs that I'm going to pick as more of wing backs. So the three players that I really was struggling between in the back line was Ariaga from Seattle, Zimmerman from Nashville, and Opara from Minnesota. So, I mean, those are pretty good picks, right? Opara and Zimmerman are probably more well-established. Ariaga's had some trouble in Seattle, but I still really like his game, even if he is a bit raw. So I couldn't fault you for taking any of those guys. And the thing I like about Ariaga is he plays on the the left center back side. And for Zimmerman and Opara, I think I just I worry that if I put them both together, that they they are right footed players, that it would not allow the left side of attack to open up in the way it would if I didn't have a lefty on that center back side. That's totally fair. I think we do see a lot of coaches try to have left-footed players on the left half of defense for ball rotation to move side to side. So wanting that for your squad is completely justified. And there's something else about teeing up a ball if you're distributing from that left center back position. And if you can tee it up to your left foot to send it across diagonally, the ball just flies a little bit different. And it has a different spin on it because you're going across your body instead of... um, almost with your body so um it can it can fall into a player a little bit differently and so i think i'm gonna go I, i'm just struggling who would you pick <laughs> zimmerman or opara 
First of all, I love that I get to contribute to your team because I can sabotage you. That will allow me to beat you no. when we go through our tactics showdown. But if I take that out of the equation, I think Ico Parra simply for his defensive versatility might be the move. Because yeah. Walker Zimmerman maybe is a little more polished on the ball. We see him with Burhalter. We see him, we saw him with Bob Bradley and LAFC, two coaches that want the calm presence on the ball from their center backs. Not that Opara doesn't have that, but Zimmerman, I think, is maybe a half step above Opara with his distribution, at least on the ground, breaking the lines. But Ikopara can move defensively. He can anchor that spot, especially Jordan, if you're like yeah. me at all. I went with a lot of kind of possession-minded players who may lack a little bit of speed. I don't know your lineup. Maybe you have plenty of speed. But for me, Ikopara covering ground in the back line is a huge asset. So for that reason, I might go with him. Yeah, I think that's where I was kind of leading towards. I don't know. I want Zimmerman and Opara together, but it just doesn't make sense in my in my lineup. So um yeah, I'm going to go Ariaga and Opara. There's my there's my two center backs. I'm saying right now as a coach setting up this this attack to go up against those center backs, where is the space going to be? Right? Like where on earth are those two guys going to leave any space? Ariaga, sure, he's occasionally undisciplined with his positioning, maybe stepping out a little too aggressively, but those two have recovery speed on recovery speed. They're going to be everywhere, yeah. snuffing out attacks, covering ground, making tackles. That's going to be a brutal center back pairing to face off against. We are intimidating right away. <laughs> My center backs, I've gone with a three at the back shape, starting on the right side. I've got Maxime Cheneau from NYCFC. When I think about Cheneau, I cannot get that clip. I think it was against the Red Bulls last season or the year before. He's just got the ball and he's gliding into central midfield with it. I love ball carrying center backs. He's got the ball at his feet. Cheneau can do that. When he has the ball, he's able to glide forward. He's not the most athletic guy, but he has that understanding of space and when to run and when to stay that I absolutely love. You add that to his passing ability. Jordan, we talked about numbers already, but I'm going to do it again. He outperformed his expected passing numbers each of the last two seasons, meaning essentially that he completes more difficult passes than you'd expect him to. So he has that passing ability to go with his understanding of when to carry the ball into midfield. So that's why Cheneau is not only one of my favorite center backs, but he's a perfect fit for the right side of my back three. Yeah, we barely got to see him play this year, though. Right. Got to keep his red card situation under control. <laughs> I know that can be disappointing, right? Watching games where a player goes down early with a red card, making it 10 v 11. That is what happened to Cheneau in their opener against Columbus Crew, which you called, Jordan. But Cheneau, if he can keep his head on and not make any rash challenges, he's going to be the perfect fit on that right side. Next to him, in the center of my defense, is his club teammate. It's James Sands. I absolutely adore James Sands' versatility. It's not like that he's an extremely flashy guy, but putting him in the middle of my two center backs, Chanel on one side and player X on the left side, I think he's going to be perfect to move, start in the back. He can step forward into midfield to overload the central midfield. That allows for some of those rotations similar-ish to what you were talking about, Jordan, where you expect your shape to change a little bit. With mm -hmm. Sands in the middle of this back line, he does it for NYCFC. He can do it for my team. He can move back and forth from midfield to defense. He can even change the shape permanently if he really wants to play as a central defender or a central defensive midfielder. He's got that versatility, and I love it. All right. Yeah, one more in your back line then. One more center back. This is one of my cheat players. Jordan, you talked about not picking Vermeer because you haven't seen much of him. I threw that out the window. Nico Figal, left center back from Inter-Miami. He's perfect. He's like Maxime Cheneau on steroids <laughs> a little bit. He's perfect. He is perfect. <laughs> He's like, I kind of think of him as LGP 2.0 a little bit. LGP is out of the league now for Atlanta United. He's down in Liga Mekis. Now Nico Figal comes in, Argentinian center back. He loves to get forward just like LGP does. He's maybe a little smarter, a little less rash with his runs into the attack, which I appreciate because as much as I want to see center backs move, 
I understand that it's not the move all the time. So having Figal, he can cover ground in the back. He has to cover for Roman Torres and Alves Powell a lot for Miami, and he will have to do a lot more of that, hopefully when the season restarts for Diego Alonso's team. But Figal on the left side of my back three allows him to step forward into midfield, get way forward into the attack if he wants to, or cover ground in the back. Kind of like you're saying with your squad, Jordan, with your two center backs. Figal brings a little bit of that defensive awareness and skill to my squad. So Mm -hmm. that is my back three. Nico Figal on the left, James Sands in the middle, and Maxime Cheneau on the right. I think it's a pretty good setup. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see if it is or not. Ouch. I help you with your squad, Jordan, and then you come back with that. I'm just kidding. No, those are great (laughs) players. And um, interesting, too, that you get two New York City FC players. One of the things I was when I was creating my team, I was trying to figure out a way that I could get as many players from different teams as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes it's just hard to not choose two players, especially if there are two players in a line of your field that is so important. And that's your back line, right? Yeah, you have so much cohesion. I I cheated a lot, I guess. I have a couple of repeats on this squad of of yeah. people that play on the same team. I did try to spread it out like you, but man, some of Me these guys too. are just my favorites, right? You can't you right? can't stop it. Yeah. Jordan, we've done center backs, we've done goalkeepers. Let's do fullbacks. Okay. Which two players do you have on the outside of defense? I'm sure you'd be really shocked to hear who I have as my right back. <laughs> it wouldn't happen to be a Columbus crew player, would it? No, because I, I I'm a I'm a West Coast girl. Oh, I'm excuse in the Western me. Conference. That's right. Oh, okay. Now I know exactly who you're talking about. His name wouldn't happen to start with a T, and his last name wouldn't happen to start with a B, would it? Uh, <laughs> it is. It's Tristan Blackman. Jordan, there's um, no player. Sorry to interrupt. There's no player <laughs> who I feel like embodies this show more than Tristan Blackman. Like if we don't get oh him on gosh, at yeah. some point. To talk with him just about his life and about his playing style and playing for Bob Bradley. I mean, what are we doing, right? From day one, Tristan Blackman has been the staple of this podcast, and I love that he's in your team. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I I love that. I I had to put him in there because I think... If we kept a tracker on how many times I've talked about LAFC and their use of Blackman over the last <laughs> season, it would be accumulating a lot of points right now. I just love the way he plays the position because he has the ability to defend 1v1 or in a structured defense because of his awareness and uh, experience at the center back position but he also is like he had to have been a midfielder in a previous life because the kid just knows how to get forward and create going forward in a way that I don't know we see a lot out of fullbacks right I I really like him and I like the way that he sets up the right side of the attack as I go forward Um, on the other side I have maybe the easiest decision I had to make in the Western Conference starting 11 I have a lefty He's young. He is probably going to be the left back for the national team mm. sooner than we all I got think. It. Uh, yeah, it, it has to be Sam Vines, right? Uh, I think when you look at a lefty who plays outside back, who is good on the dribble, the first game last season that Colorado played LAFC, Vines had Vela in his pocket. Carlos Vela, the best player in MLS, did nothing against Sam Vines. He was 19 at the time, I believe. He's 20 now. He is a kid with so much in front of him that I think there's just, I had to choose him. It was the easiest choice I had on my roster. I think you said it in your intro to talking about Vines. I think he is going to be the left back for the national team at some point. The guy that will allow Serginho Dest to play on the right side of defense. Those two players are going to be the future of the fullbacks for the national team. And Vines is a fantastic pick on the left side of your defense. The the way he's able to move, tuck inside into midfield or stay wide, get forward and combine on the attack. He can do so much and he's going to bring so much to your team. I love it. And I hate it just a little bit. 
It's a love-hate relationship. I'm exactly. sure I'll feel the same about your outside <laughs> back picks or your wing backs, really. That's right. So at right wing back, I have, and this guy shouldn't be a surprise, really. It's Julian Gressel. He's one of the most polished outside players, even though Ben Olsen is experimenting a little bit with playing him inside. Julian Gressel is a fantastic outside attacker. He's able to get forward on the right wing, whip in smart crosses, not just any cross. He's not wasteful with his distribution in the final third, but he can bend the ball around a really fantastic crosser of the ball, and he picks his moments, right? Crossing to Joseph Martinez, not the tallest guy. While he can jump, he's not the biggest player in the box. You have to be selective. You have to know where to put the ball. Does he want it on his foot? Does he want it on his head? Does he want it near his chest so he can volley it down? Gressel can decide all of those things in a very short amount of time and play the ball into the box. So for me, he's going to provide all the width on the right wing because my my right winger in this shape doesn't do that. Gressel's going to be responsible for a lot of it. And he's a player when he played in that position for Atlanta. I remember watching games and being like, how are you doing this? Like, how... Are you doing all of these things, but none of the things that at the same time that we would think of like a traditional wing back? I just felt like he has this X factor, this edge to him that creates the, his own position at, at that wing back spot. It's, it's, I think, this weird, unique combination of his comfort on the ball. He can drop a little deeper. He can move inside and then get wide and sprint up that outside flank. I mean, he can do so many things with the ball. He's such a well-rounded guy that I think he has made that wing-back position truly his own. And I do hope that Ben Olsen, while I'm sure he has reasons for playing him in central midfield, I do hope that we see him on that right side. Maybe he plays right back instead of Russell Canals for DC United. Something. I hope we see something that allows Julian Gressel to, to really get wide and provide the service from the wing that we've seen him do so many times at Atlanta United. Mm-hmm. So that's my right-sided wing-back. Over on the left side, Dewan Jones from New England Revolution a definitely less heralded guy than a lot of the players we've talked about so far. But I watched some Dewan Jones highlights and some tape thinking about this pick because I was struggling a little bit to think of a left back that that I wanted to include on the squad to provide some love to different teams. Dewan Jones has speed on speed. I think of a play, I think it was against the Impact last season, where he essentially just raced down the entire left sideline, touched the ball around one or two defenders, moved from end line to end line right on the sideline. And he beat the entire Montreal Impact team down to the wing, cut inside and got a shot on goal. It's this incredible speed from a guy that we don't really see a lot of in Major League Soccer. I was trying to think of guys that would provide some vertical threat. And Dewan Jones, even though he is more of a defender, he plays left back for Bruce Arena. I think he can be comfortable playing a little higher up the field and providing some threat to get in behind the back line from the left wing back spot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair, but I've got Ico Parra over there. So, <laughs> I mean, good luck. It's going to be tough, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm down for a track meet, though, between Jones and Opara. Yeah. I think something tells me yeah. they'd both be down for it as well. Oh, are you kidding? All these guys are uber competitive. <laughs> of course they would be. All right, I like that. I like how these these teams are shaping up. So do I. So we've done goalkeepers, center backs. My wing backs are Gressel and Jones. Your full backs are Tristan Blackman and Sam Vines. Jordan, your central midfielders in this 4-2-3-1, who do you got? Okay, I'll start with the two holding midfielders before I go to our the number 10. Um, I would be absolutely silly if I didn't put At- Atuesta in my lineup. Yeah. The mm-hmm. guy is one of my favorite players, not just midfielders, just the things that he sees in a game is just almost next level. He, he, his ability as a holding midfielder and the way I want to play, I think he can be a little bit more of an eight as well and not, mm-hmm. not necessarily a double pivot. But I think I'm most impressed with his ability to cut the lines and find seams within teams 
vertically that split lines and cut out four, five, six players at once to find a target forward or find that through ball. There's so many replays that are just flowing through my mind. And I'm sure you feel the same way, Joe, mm-hmm. of where Atuesta is just chopping up defenses. I love that you picked Atuesta for this team. Once again, filled with jealousy that you got to do that instead of me. But it's a great pick, right? You had <laughs> to get him into the squad. I don't know anything about this. I have no inside knowledge. But if Atuesta is still in this league in 2022, like what is happening? He's got to no be way. He's got to be out of the league soon. So listeners, enjoy him while you can, because I know we will. I was even going to be shocked if he was still in the league after the after the summer yeah. this year. Yeah. I think things that maybe changed a little bit with everything that's going on. But he's just such a great intellectual, silky smooth player. And I'm going to have him next to Ilya. Oh, that's beautiful. I just love Ilya. Something about him, like, I just love the way he plays. I have liked it for a long time and it was really hard as a Colorado Rapids employee to like (laughs) the way Ilya plays because he plays for SKC and we don't like them. (laughs) Um, But the guy, you know, growing up in Barcelona's academy and having that kind of flair... But he's so sturdy. And one of the things that I really appreciate about holding mid players is sometimes you don't notice them. And those times they're actually there's a reason for it is like Mm -hmm. they don't need to be noticed to be able to be super effective. And Ilya is that player for me. One of the things I like about putting Ilya in there next to Atuesta is he can secure that zone of the field right in front of the two center backs. And I think he can also drop in between the two center backs and become a three back. And with the outside backs that I have chosen, it kind of flips into this three, four, three that I really like, or even a three, five, two with a little adaptation. So I like that Ilya is a solid defender. He would have the speed on either side of him if he does go into the back line. But his intelligence and the way he reads the game, especially defensively, I think sets him up well to play in that holding mid spot or in the center of the center backs. So I've got two things on those midfielders. First of all, how on earth is any squad, any defensive team supposed to pressure Eduardo Atuesta and Ilya Sanchez at the same time? That does not seem fair. So that's one. And number two, <laughs> just the versatility that you're providing through this squad is fantastic, right? You have Ilya drop between the center backs. You split it into a three at the back shape. Then Atuesta drops in and he's comfortable playing the six just like Ilya. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is mm-hmm. a beautiful rotation that I absolutely love thinking about. And, and it's something that we do see a lot individually with the respective teams, right? At Atuesta drops and plays as the six for LAFC, and Ilya definitely does move back into the middle of the back line for Peter Vermees. Or maybe Graham Zussi tucks in and forms a three-back. SKC do something Mm -hmm. like that a lot, and I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing to replicate with these midfielders as well. Right. So that's your double pivot. Who's playing as a central attacking focal point for this midfield? Gosh, this was a hard choice. Yeah. This was hard because... I just, it's hard not to recognize Diego Valeri and what he has done in this league for a long time, right? 78 goals, 81 assists. He already has two goals already this season. For a long time, this is the, this is the 10, right? This is the playmaker, a player that can only disrupt, um, through his, his vision, but he can distribute, he can finish all those things. But I didn't choose him. <laughs> no Diego Valeri. Okay. Okay. I like it. You're teasing us here. No Valeri. I chose Eunice Nomaly. Why did you pick Nomaly? Because can you imagine Atuesta picking up the ball and Nomaly just knowing what spot he's going to find him in? Like those two and their soccer IQ, it just like, 
it just fills me with so much joy. <laughs> and when you see the front runners that I have, it's going to be scary. I'm really excited to see Nomaly and the way he plays off the nine that I chose. Because I think that is a really interesting combination. Nomaly's ability to get the ball in the half turn and to accelerate forward into the attack and to play balls with his left foot. I mean, he's got easy speed. He's comfortable on the ball doing all of these things. Nomaly's a great pick for that central attacking midfield spot. Definitely someone that I probably would have gone with as well over over even MLS legends like Diego Valeri and Nico Lodero. Yeah, and an- another reason I chose Nomaly is because I think defensively that that player is going to have to do a little bit more work. Mm. So I went young. Yeah, because you do have Atuesta and Ilya, who, if they have one weakness, probably is their mobility. It's not that they're completely immobile, but they're not the fastest guys, probably. I think that's fair to say. They don't cover a ton of ground consistently through games, even if they are smart with their positioning. So having a little bit more speed at the point of that triangle in midfield is is definitely going to be helpful, I think. All right, there's my midfield. You're up, Joe. All right, man, that's a lot to compete with. I think I did pretty well. It's maybe not quite at the same level as yours, but I like each of these guys. So I've got two players as my midfield double pivot in my three at the back shape. My first guy is Jose Martinez from the Philadelphia Union. Why do I like this guy? Well, we saw it on national television, right? We saw it in that matchup against LAFC. Jose Martinez's first appearance in Major League Soccer. He gets down and dirty. Like, I think he was bloodied a little bit in that match. He gets everywhere. He's this mobile destroyer at the base of the Union's diamond. Yes, it's an incredibly short sample size, and that's probably going to come back to bite me at some point. But he's mobile, and he covers for a lot of the other players that I have on this team. He's not super polished on the ball, although that could even be shorting him a little bit because I haven't seen a lot of his game. But Jose Martinez's game is his defensive ability. Against LAFC, he he made life a little bit difficult for Atuesta, for K, for Latif Blessing at times. Not all the time, because it's a lot to ask from one guy. But Martinez's defensive ability and mobility were at the top of my wish list for this sort of spot, just because of the players I have around him. So I think he's going to be a solid defensive anchor at my six. Okay, I like it. I like that choice. A little higher in midfield as my eight, although they're, they are a bit interchangeable if Martinez wants to step high. Darlington Nagby can step a little bit deeper. He can drop a little deeper. Columbus crew guy. I mean, we know Darlington Nagby's game at this point. He holds onto the ball like it's glued to his foot. And that's what I wanted, right? He's not necessarily this attacking playmaker. While he can get forward and create in the final third, he's always extremely comfortable receiving the ball under pressure, turning out of it and moving forward. And that's honestly all I wanted from this spot. My creativity comes from my center backs, a little bit from my fullbacks, and then mostly from my attacking midfielders that we'll get to in a minute. But Darlington Nagby is that reliable central midfield presence that can beat a press, that can hold onto the ball and play out of it. And that's what I wanted. That's exactly what you're going to get from Nagby as well. And one of the things I was watching, rewatching the game, I believe it was against New York City and the ball was bouncing into Nagby on the right side. And as it, it just hit the ground and it's bouncing up and it's bouncing probably like hip height. And as the ball is bouncing, he's about to play it. And he like fakes that he's going to play with the outside of his foot, but he lets it like come down. I'm not talking, not even a half a second, but as he's letting it do that, the defense shifts Hmm. and it opens this little gap and he can thread the seam and find the next player in the, the next line and cut those defenders out. It was like so intelligent and something that he made look so easy, but to have the patience and the, in the wherewithal in that moment is not something every player possesses. He's a little bit like 
Atuesta and Namli in that when you watch him, it looks easy, right? It looks like he's been doing this since he was little. It looks like it's effortless. Like he makes, I feel like if I was watching him for the first time and I'd never seen soccer before, never played soccer before, and I watched Darlington Nagby, I think, oh, this game is easy. Like I can do what he does. But then you play and you know that that's, yeah. that's not the truth. And so that's, <laughs> that true. gives you way more respect for guys like right. Atuesta, Namli, sure. and Nagby who make the game look so simple. Hopefully he'll be doing that in my midfield against you in this matchup. Right. Okay, Jordan, we've gone through our central midfielders. You've got Atuesta, Ilié, and Namli, and I've got Jose Martinez and Darlington Nagby. Let's do the wide players. Who are your wide attackers in this 4-2-3-1? All right, my uh, right winger was pretty easy to choose. <laughs> I'm going, I'm putting Carlos Vela on the right. Oh, no. And I'm putting Carlos Vela on the right because that. Oh, no. Like, everybody knows what Carlos Vela is going to do, and yet still... Nobody can stop Carlos Vela. So what I like about having Carlos Vela on the right is there is that knowledge between him and Blackman of how they can effectively just destroy a team's left side of defense, right? Those two are creative. They see space in a different way. And also with Blackman, it allows Vela to go inside and occupy gaps at the top of the 18 or almost be like a second nine at times as well. So I I like having Carlos Vela there. And um, he had 34 goals last year. So I, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't keep him off my roster. I think saying I like having Carlos Vela there might be the understatement of the century, <laughs> but I respect the pick. You got to love Carlos Vela as that right winger. It brings a lot of versatility, which you highlighted. He's a flawless selection at that right wing spot. Yeah. So then you go to the other side of the field and I really struggled with this because there's two players that I'm like, Ooh, I like both of them. And I like both of them for different reasons. Uh, Christian Pavone and Jordan Morris. Those are the two that I really was like, oh, gosh, I don't know which one I like better. And the reason why I I like both of them is they could also float in like there's a little bit more fluidity then between maybe not the front three, but the wingers, because Vela can come play um, maybe as like a false nine or more on the left side and have the ability to still shoot with his left and distribute with his left. But he had, then he'd have Sam Vines who could really run the wing a little bit more. Right. And um, same that he has Blackman on the right side. But then if you bring Pavone and Morris over to the, the right, their righties, they want to use their right foot. Um, there's fluidity in the way that those two, those two positions can kind of move across the field. Ugh, but I just, I don't know. This is a really hard choice. Do <laughs> you choose Pavone, the Argentinian winger who like was the big splash of last summer, right? Come, came to LA Galaxy. He would be my only LA Galaxy player on this squad. Um, the thing that I just keep replaying in my mind is that Houston Dynamo goal where Bingham hits him on a 60 yard ball and he just takes it to the house, right? <laughs> It's hard, right? I was saying that play back in my mind as well. It's impossible for me not to associate Pavon with literally that specific moment. Forget the World Cup with Argentina. It's that moment. It's that moment for sure. So this is an incredibly difficult call because Jordan Morris brings a lot as well. Pavon, undoubtedly the better player. But this is not about who's better, Jordan. This is about who you want, who you like, and who you think fits best in your squad. I know. And that's where I'm going to go with Jordan Morris. Like I like Jordan Morris because he's different than anybody else that I have on my squad. And I think uh, that might be be hard for them to really gel at first. You know, I'm thinking <laughs> about the team culture and the, on, on the pitch. You know, um, 
I like Jordan Morris because he's not afraid to go at you one-on-one. He has significantly improved his left foot so mm-hmm. much that I wouldn't even say it's a weakness at all anymore. And his just his score, his goal production, when he has the other players that are going to be around him, you just need a player that finds the back of the net. And Jordan Morris has been that player. It doesn't matter if it's a beautiful goal or if it's a tap-in, he's going to be there. It's not that I wouldn't have taken Christian Pavon in a heartbeat for my squad, but when I was thinking about who I wanted on the wings, Jordan Morris was the guy who I kept wishing would have been traded to the Eastern Conference sometime <laughs> in the last six days. Because he's perfect, right? He has that break in behind speed. He can tuck inside yeah. and move to play underneath a striker or as that nine. If I mean, I don't know who your number nine is, but if you want some positional versatility, you've got it. I mean, Morris, he's improved the left foot, like you said. He has a strong right foot. He can do it all. We're seeing it with the national team. We're definitely seeing it with the Sounders. I cannot fault you at all for that one. All right, who do you have? Who do you have for your winger outside mids? What do you just call them? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a weird thing. I can't even decide what to call them, right? It's like they're going to be playing as the part of the front three in this 3-4-3, kind of 3-4-2-1 shape because they're both more attacking midfielders than wingers. So on the right side, I have Carles Hill for the New England Revolution. Yes, Bruce Arena, this is a third guy from your squad. I, Jeez, I like the revolution, man. Dang. I didn't know it so much until I was picking this team, but Carles Hill is my right-sided attacking midfielder. He's not a winger, right? He's He plays as an attacking midfielder for the New England Revolution. For this team, is going to start on the right and tuck inside into the half space, which is what he loves to do. Gressel's going to overlap. Carles Hill can tuck inside to that right channel, whip in across with his left foot like an in-swinging cross, like you'd see on a corner kick, but from just outside the box in that right channel. He's perfect for that. That's what he does. That's what his bread and butter is. And that's what I want. I want him to be able to move inside, have Gressel overlap, and then just have those two players occupy those two channels in the final third. So that's Carlos Hill. He's left-footed. I love that about him. On the left side, I have Edison Flores from DC United. He's another versatile guy. He can play as a winger, yes, but he's going to be tucking inside a lot more into that left half space to allow Dewan Jones to overlap on the left side. So I've got Gressel and Jones on the outside channels and Flores and Heal on the inside channels. I love that movement because Heal and Flores can change spots. They can move in to play off of my number nine. They have a lot of versatility and what he lacks in speed, I think Flores has a little bit more of that. He's a little bit more of an athletic guy. He can dip the shoulder in and move. He can receive the ball in the half turn and beat a defender like that. So he can get in behind the back line. Potentially, he can provide a little bit of speed in the final third to beat a defender off the dribble. Flores and Hill, I think, will complement each other well, will complement the fullbacks well, and will be the real creative hub of my midfield slash winger position. Mm. The whole time you were talking, I was just thinking about how I'm going to defend you. <laughs> It's hard, right? I've been thinking about that for your guys, too. It's not an easy challenge. Yeah, so interesting. My my gears are just clicking in my brain. All right, well, you're just going to have to, we're going to have to finalize our, our squads then. 11th player. Jordan, why don't you list your number nine? Okay, my number nine. And, you know, I started my squad with my goalkeeper and I said, I'm choosing him because we know he's consistent. This player, we don't really know what he's going to do in MLS. But from what I've seen and what I've broken down here on this podcast and uh, just with my own eyeballs and watching him play, I think Alan Polito is going to be one of the best nines in this league. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you said what we've broken down on this podcast, I knew where you're going. This is going to be a tough guy <laughs> again for me to defend. Jordan, what are the specifics of Polito's game and why do you like him with your roster? Yeah, so he's played two games in MLS. He played the first two. He has two goals, one assist. And I think that is one of the reasons I really liked him is um, if you're a nine, you need to be a goal scorer. But 
I, the assist to me makes me just think about all the other things, all the other attributes that he has that makes him really interesting to bring to this squad. His ability to run into the space that he doesn't want the ball to get into, to be played into, and then check back into the space where he does want the ball. He does this time and time again. It allows for a buildup within a squad that um, you you watch him run and you're like, what is he doing? And then he gets the ball right where he wants to. And it creates this pocket of space where then he can connect and lay the ball off to anomaly and then get off from there. You know, whether it's a spin turn to get in behind or it's a little one two, uh, something where he's super comfortable with his distribution. Uh, but the guy has a knack for scoring goals and almost like these like dagger eyeballs of like I am going to get you and I'm going to score a goal I just I there's so many qualities about his his game that I think help a team when I the way that I want to play in this uh 4-2-3-1 is really key and it allows other players around him to flourish too because of how much energy and how much awareness he occupies from the other defense this is a perfect pick for your number nine because yes he can combine with Nomaly or he can drop into midfield and Morris can take that striker spot. He can make that diag- mm-hmm. diagonal outside in run into that spot between the two center backs, between, well, right into James Sands, actually, um, but into the back line. So you have that rotation, or you can have him drop and Vela can come in and occupy that spot. I mean, in a nutshell, that's his game, right? That's, that's the versatility he provides from that nine spot. That's what Peter Vermees is going to love so much when the season gets back underway. We're going to see more and more of how that helps Sporting Kansas City's attack both have some fluidity, but also have goal scoring, have assists, have MLS assists. It's all of these things that Polito brings to the table. He's perfect. This is a mm-hmm. great pick. Yeah. If you can get the ball, but now I'm thinking about your your two midfielders who will just be screening all the passes into him. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. You have to figure that out, I guess. Um, my my final player, my eleventh guy, number nine, similar player, similar profile actually to your player, Jordan. Um, Toronto FC's striker Josie Altador. I was realizing when I was making this squad that most of my favorite forwards are in the Western Conference. Jesus Ferreira, I think I would have loved to have in this squad. Diamande, Minotas, Kai Kamara, all those guys I like for different reasons. But Josie Altador is a tried and true guy. He's been good, despite what a lot of people say, for the most part with the U.S. national team. He's an excellent number nine for Toronto. He can drop into midfield. He can occupy center backs. He's a flexible guy. He's not going to move in behind the back line very well. He's not very fast anymore, but he's got lots of skill on the ball. He can facilitate a little bit from midfield. That will allow Flores to run off of him or for Gressel or for Jones to get forward in the attack and provide width. I think Josie Altador, likely other than Joseph Martinez, when healthy, is the best striker in this Eastern Conference. Josie Zard is a solid goal scorer. Yes, he gets made fun of a lot. Unfairly, I might add. He has good underlying numbers. Zardes can get it done in the box, and his movement is very good. Abair is another guy who I really like for NYCFC, but Altador brings a lot to the table. He brings, I think, maybe more than either one of those guys. If he had a little speed, he'd be even more perfect for this squad. But I think my wingbacks can provide enough of that. That will allow Josie Altador to do what he likes to do in the middle of the field, dropping, moving in between the center backs. I think he's going to fit well at the top of my lineup. Man, can we just have these two teams actually play against each other? Jordan, let's get Don Garber on the phone. We can set up this game as yeah. a preseason all-star match. I think it's perfect, and I have no yeah. reason to believe that anyone would ever say no to our request. Right. Excuse me, Don. Um, I know we can't play any games, but this needs to happen. <laughs> right now. Right now. Okay. So, Jordan, we've gone through our lineups. We've walked through why we like these players, even analyzing 22 players already. We've talked about these guys in pretty solid detail. Briefly, how do you want this team to play? Forget forget my team, but what do you want their identity to be? How mm-hmm. would you describe them regardless of who they're playing? Because that's the foundation. I would say 
the foundation of my team is I want them to be a possession oriented team with, yes, there will be high, high pressure going on, but I don't think it's going to, it's not going to be like a all or nothing all the time. Um, I think that you can also provide the defensive pressure in like a middle block and really start to defend. And I, I would say in a two, four, four. So that's from the front, the two, the, the, number nine and the attacking midfielder would be our first line of defense and then a four block, but in front of the four defensive players. And you can really dictate where you want the other team to bring the ball and then squeeze and pressure. And there is a true sense of dictating the play, even when you do not have the ball. So I think that's how I want us to defend an attack. I want it to be possession oriented. You know, I think we have players that can break and can go on a counter, but I think that the real power of this team is through possession because then you can get your outside backs involved. You can get Atuesta a little bit higher on the field. Uh, The more numbers that you can get into the attack has to do with your ability to possess through the middle third. And so I want them to be a possession oriented team. And, you know, that metronome is all going to come through Ilya. It's all going to come through Atuesta. Okay, so that's your main offensive and defensive principle. For me, it does look a little bit similar. Offensively, I want to keep hold of the ball, but even more specific than that, I want to overload the midfield while doing it. I've got my my base two midfielders in Nagby and in Martinez, who are going to be that double pivot in this 3-4-3. But I also have the two attacking midfielders, the wide attacking midfielders who are going to occupy the half spaces. If I set it up right in possession, I want these four players to be in a box. I want Carlos Hill mm-hmm. and Edison Flores at the top of the box, and I want Jose Martinez and Nagby at the base of it, forming that four-man block. But it doesn't stop there, right? This might be overkill, but who knows? I'm going to go for it anyway. I want my two outside center backs and James Sands, depending on the moment, to also be perfectly willing to step high into midfield. So if Flores steps to break the back line, then we supplement and bring one of those extra defenders into midfield to keep that four-man overload, ideally at all times. So that's kind of my main offensive principle, is keeping the ball, but focusing on holding possession in the midfield. Then you can spray it wide to the wingbacks if you want to, but building through the middle is going to be my primary method of attack. And I think the opposite for me, my my midfield is going to be in order to spring the ball wide and use my outside players in order to create overloads with a a switch, a point of attack. So um, yeah, there could be a little bit more structure in terms of how we want to go forward. But I think that those players really are good distributors and can switch the point of attack to allow those overloads and then slide nominally over to create a 3v2 in those gaps, maybe that you aren't covering. (laughs) That's completely fair. I think, (laughs) I think defensively though, my approach is going to be a little bit similar to yours, right? I don't think I have the sustained defensive ability from my attacking players to really make a high press consistently work. So I'm kind of hoping to be playing that mid block to be compact and defend in a 5-4-1 and have my blocks narrow, right? Have it be tight, force the ball wide, which yes, is going to be very difficult against Jordan Morris and Carlos Vela on the wings. But the idea is to protect the middle of the field and then expand to one side, try to trap it against the wing and then force a turnover and then go from there, right? I don't think my guys can can sustain a high press. Altidore, Carlos Hill, even Edison and Flores probably aren't these high-pressing, consistent attacking players. So we're going to play within our strength and sit a little bit deeper trying to contain the opposing teams. I like that. That's interesting. Okay, so for, for these squads, are there, just to close us out, looking at each other's teams, are there a couple of areas of weakness that we now see in our own teams or of weaknesses that we see in the other teams that we can maybe exploit if these two teams with these 22 players were to actually take the field? For me, now that I hear how you want to set up defensively, if you have the ability to 
get organized, right? There are going to be moments in transition that are going to be key. And this is such a transition game now, right? In MLS, the transition moments are top. They're, they're the top way to break down a team, to score goals, to create chances. And so I just imagine it in a structured block format that if somebody can come into the center of that block and get the ball, that there's going to be the ability to spring in the wide players that I have in Vela and Morris or even Polito, right? Like he is a player that isn't afraid to stretch the back line, but maybe a player gets the ball in that pocket in transition in the middle of your box and then breaks the lines of defense to find Polito and then it's distribution off him that can end up breaking your line. So um, I think the key in both of our format formations is just to utilize transition moments as best as possible, whether that's with the ball or without them. Absolutely. I think transition moments, well, it's not, I think they clearly are becoming more and more a part of the modern game. And so whichever of our teams can take better advantage of those moments, whichever players are best suited for those is going to be huge, right? If a team is slow to react, mm-hmm. that's going to cause problems. If a team is slow to get forward, that's going to cause problems. That's going to be an absolutely essential part of this game to see which squad does that better. One other area that I think could be impactful for this game, and I don't know if this is going to be a positive or a negative is how aggressive my center backs actually choose to be. Mm-hmm. Because I set up this team wanting them to get forward, but then with the front line that you have, with Pulido, with Vela, with Jordan Morris, with Namli, with those front four players, it's going to be really, really risky for Figal, for Cheneau, even for Sands to get forward into midfield. That's going to be huge, right? Because if you vacate that space and you have Pulido ready to turn, get the ball in that pocket, and then go forward from there, or you have either one of your other two wingers, that's going to be extremely challenging. This is what we see the differences in tactics, right? You have to change your tactics each game because what I thought was going to be a defined strength with my center backs being aggressive and possession and ball oriented is now a real X factor for whether or not they can do that smartly in a game against the opposing team. So I think that's a real illustration for just how hard it is for coaches to set up a team, have them play to what they want, but also have them Mm -hmm. adjust ever so slightly to the strengths of the opposition. It's hard. Coaching is hard work. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work. When you mentioned your center backs, I started to think about my center backs. And if you do get in your formation, your defensive setup of a 5-4-1, that is going to be really important to have center backs who are comfortable on the ball and dribbling forward. And it might actually lead to a little bit more of a, a three back, and not with Ilya necessarily, but maybe the opposite side outside back. Mm-hmm. So think of Tristan Blackman sitting next to the two center backs that I have in Opara and Ariaga, And then it frees up Vines to start to get forward in, in a higher space. Well, if Vines isn't on, then Tristan Blackman is in this space that's He's kind of like a he he is playing in the back line, but I imagine him a little bit more of like a uh withdrawn, like a sideways withdrawn holding mid. Mm-hmm. And you see him occupy this space a lot in LAFC games where hopefully he gets that ball in a switch of switch of the point. So he has a little bit more space to drive into and then create that overload from a little bit deeper on the field, not so not so much necessarily higher up on the pitch in the attacking third, but like almost before the attacking third inching into it having Blackman's versatility to tuck in, pushing Bynes forward, doing all of those things. 
it's going to be constantly changing how your team sets up, which is going to make it difficult for any block, not just the 5-4-1, you know, hypothetical block that I've set up, but any team, any team's defensive block, it's harder to contain a fluid attacking team. That's how it works. That's why you want fluidity. And I think your team has that in bunches. Honestly, Jordan, I don't know whose team would win. And frankly, it doesn't matter, right? But still, we're going to have a poll out on Twitter on at MLS Assist Pod's Twitter account. And we're going to have a graphic with our two lineups facing off against each other in a poll to see what our listeners think, which team would win, whose coaching style would work better. Jordan, regardless of what happens, we will see sort of a result, but it's been a blast going through this exercise with you. I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been so much fun and happy to bring some different kind of content and keep it keep it coming to you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening and, you know, Team Angelie all the way. <laughs> I'm not going to let you end it there. Jordan, you did segue us out perfectly, but we will be back, <laughs> listeners, again with another episode next week. We'll have more content for you. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We really appreciate it.